Welcome again, everybody, to the podcast where we try and scratch a little below the surface of coaching and try and find ways where we can all do it better. As a reminder, I set up this podcast for two main reasons, I suppose. The first being to try and provide some kind of thoughtful debate for coaches at a time when we can't be on the field or in the gyms with our players. Uh, and it's a good time to seek out new knowledge, new information to improve our own craft. And then secondly, and probably most importantly, to try and raise some much needed funds for Temple Street Children's Hospital. Uh, I've mentioned before in the podcast where I had, a, I had a young lad who spent a couple of weeks up there shortly after he was born. So I have first-hand experience of the, of the kind of incredible work that they do through their doors. Again, I just want to say a huge thank you to everybody who has donated to the fundraiser so far and, and also to those people who continue to share it around on social media or on WhatsApp. Uh, it just increases the reach and increases the amount of people that listen to the podcast. And inevitably, the, amount, the, the more people that listen, the more people that tend to donate. So uh, it's very much appreciated that that help every week. Um, and also, the link to the fundraiser is, is below in the podcast description or you'll find it on my, on my Twitter page at Mike Quirk. Um, and again, everything that's raised goes directly to Temple Street. Nobody's getting paid or any money for doing any of these. So um, it's all going to a very, very worthy cause. Okay, so on to this week's guest. Uh, I'm absolutely delighted to say that, that uh, we've got Derek McGrath to talk in the next hour or so. Uh, I, I heard Derek, the former Waterford hurling manager, speak a number of years ago at a coaching conference in Croke Park. And I was just blown away by, by his you know enthusiasm and his philosophy of coaching and uh, the way he wanted to speak about players and talk about coaching was was something that I I, uh, I really took a lot from and and I think for coaches of all sports there's a huge amount in the next hour that uh, that you can take and, and implement into your own coaching moving forward. Uh, if you enjoy it again, make sure you like it or write a review. I always love to hear the feedback and what people think every week. So uh, sit back and, and enjoy the listen. So Derek, maybe just for, for people that aren't familiar with you or, or, or where you've been, would you mind just giving us a kind of a brief description maybe of, uh, you know, when you were a player and then on to, on to the coaching side of things? I suppose um, um started off playing, I suppose, as a young lad, like everyone else, at St. Saviour's actually Holland Club, we kind of very uh, working class area of Waterford City. Um, and a bit of a teenage prodigy, I suppose. I played three, actually played four years minor with Waterford. Um, four right. years under 31 but never never really made it then as a senior probably into the category one of those guys that you know underage flourishing career but I only played two senior championship matches with Waterford I was on the panel there from uh, 90 actually played played as a minor against Offaly of were all Ireland champions actually played as a minor in a senior league back then the league was actually on in October so just things didn't materialise the right way played in a minor all Ireland final in 92 um, against Galway actually marked me all on for a few minutes of that match um, nice. but no yeah probably a bit of, and then would you believe in 1996 then or sorry in 1995 um, there was a little bit of a split in our own club and, and 25 or 26 was left the club um, I joined De La Salle then so I kind of was I've been in De La Salle then since, since um, no since I'm 20 years of age I suppose and I loved it there in the club and played with the club then for 20 odd years at senior hurling and Managed to kind of, I got I won a couple of Fitzgibbons along the way as well. So, but never really kind of fulfilled the promise, I suppose, that I had at underage. I had a tendency to put on a bit of weight and, uh, you know, probably didn't persevere as much as I could and probably took the soft option down in college, played a Fitzgibbon and socialized a bit more than I probably should and eat a bit more bad stuff than I should. And, <laughs> and maybe, 
maybe the easy life a little bit, but you know, I kind of went down the you know the teaching route and into the coaching fairly early then as as a kind of a as I was playing senior hurl at the club. So kind of had a love and an interest for coaching because of the link with the with the with the teaching, I suppose, and the natural kind of alignment with the teaching career, I suppose, you know. Yeah. And and you're 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 teaching in De La Salle and how I know now with COVID and everything, how how is all that going now? Like online lessons and the kids even, how how are they how are they managing with, with that whole different environment now? Yeah, well, look, I, I actually, I read an article by Colin O'Rourke at the weekend about, about schools in general, and, and I would have found the lads were very demotivated when they came back in September, like, you know, muted, obviously, because of the masks and et cetera, but when you take away, and I was actually in a conversation with my best friend, a guy called Dermot Dooley, who was actually, his brother-in-law is actually Declan Quill, uh, he's Declan Quill, yeah. he's actually married to, yeah, Ricky, but right. I was in a conversation with him this morning and <clears throat> about... Um, when you take the, the games away from the boys at school, when you take the choir away, when you take the school show, when you take all those things that are extracurricular, when you enter, it's just a different environment. I think it's it's given us made us realise, I suppose, how important they are to, to a holistic development in school, especially. But so it's been different environment. The boys have been projected in terms of what they've tried to do, but it's just not ideal that they're in front of a screen all day and and you know and and no more than any other teacher, <clears throat> I would have found that I was giving them nearly too much work and I wasn't right. getting the balance right between allowing them some kind of space to even revise or study or plan. Mm. And I think, we, I think we've, you know, I think we've realised that, you know, just as teachers in general. So uh, this midterm break should be good for them in terms of a bit of space to have a, have a you know, do a bit of exercise, to have a bit of balance yeah. in their life, you know. Yeah. And hopefully with the weather improving and everything, it'll be a little bit easier on everybody and, you know, March. If we if we can get back into schools and different things in March, it's going to be a it's going to be a bit of progress. But maybe just you and you you probably alluded to it already with the teaching link. But what was it? You know that that drew you, I suppose, to that the coaching side of things first day, Derek. Was it was it purely the teaching, or or had you been as a player? Had you that kind of you know that mindset of 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 as a coach, as a player, in in one sense, or or where did that come from? Yeah, well, I suppose in, without without hanging anyone out to dry us was there was times when you're a player and you're probably down the down the tail end of a panel at inter-county level and you're kind of maybe that there wasn't huge inclusivity and I know when you mentioned inclusivity you think people think you haven't you haven't the rootlessness needed to kind of achieve or anything but I think you know if I had been managed by myself over the years I might have been I might have made <laughs> no, I might have made it but I, no, you know I think it was kind yeah. of a, there was a kind of a feeling that you know if you can't stand the heat get out of the kitchen type thing back yeah. in the you no, know, early nineties, kind of. You know, and I, late nineties, even. You know, where, where, where. Now, now, in fairness, to Gerald McCarthy came into Water in '98, and he was very fair, firm but fair, brilliant man manager, and great way with people. And he gave me a right chance at it. Like maybe I wasn't good enough as well, but I, I suppose the insecurity of not quite making it kind of allows you to kind of park yourself into another area, and you have the kind of then you're performing really well with the club, and your confidence levels are up, and then. That combined with, as I said, the natural kind of, if I was in charge, I might do this. I might have, you know, you have kind of epiphany moments where you kind of say, Jesus, I'd make sure that he's, he feels part of it. He has a role, you know, even, even traditionally going back to, you know, even yourself in terms of the, 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 the big man that you are, you know, put him in full forward. Like even think in terms of the deviation or how things have changed. You know, I would have always played at 11 over the years with Watford, you know, minor teams and I'd be five foot nothing like, and, and, there was just a feeling even in the 90s that you need a big man for the half hour and you need a 
you know, whereas I think that's evolved now. You see mm. the Podge Collins of the world, you see the Shawnee McGraths of the world back even in, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Things have kind of changed, I think, for the better in terms of we're not pigeonholing people as much. And I think mm. that's, I, I would have kind of come to that conclusion, I suppose, even back, you know, when I was playing, I would have said, geez, I wouldn't pigeonhole him. So I think, you know, I was, I, I, I began thinking about that, I suppose, the whole time. And I said, geez, if I got the chance, I might do A, B, or C. And look, then you'd be reading a bit about it, but you're kind of, still trying to be, you know, have underpinning principles that are kind of normal and ordinary and trying to balance them out with evolving at the same time, you know, without, without thinking, you know, everything. I think that's the most important. Yeah. And and even going back, going back a little before that, the, the, what was it that kind of had you falling in love with the game initially? You know, was, was it coaches? Was it a family influence or, 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 or was it, was it just what it was in, in Waterford at the time? No, I think it was probably, first of all, parents, I suppose, but my, 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 you know, I, I would have lived in a very, oh God, not conservative household, but you know, a kind of a strong traditional Catholic household, and and you know, the link between the GA and Catholicism, I suppose, was huge in our house. Just that was the game to play. Without being old school, it was just mm. we had to play the hurling, and you know, they evolved over the years. Like I, I, I actually wasn't allowed to play soccer. Would you believe it? Really? You know, when I was <laughs> when I was younger, you know, I just I wasn't allowed. You know, I played it in school in terms of on the or out the streets and that, but I. No, the, the, the parents wouldn't have been, wouldn't have kind of, you know, wouldn't have been keen on me playing a bit of soccer. But, you know, look, I snuck a couple of matches over the years. And, <laughs> and you know, I, I remember having to avoid photographers and that kind of stuff with regards to the, for the local papers and that. But look, I'm painting a picture of my parents that, that, that that's not very endearing. But it, they're, actually the, they're actually the opposite. They were very, very, they just, they felt that was the logical thing to do. Kind of, rather than being kind of jack of all trades, being master of one. But look, I ended up not being master of one, I suppose, in terms of if you want to measure success by playing with Waterford for 10 years, I only played three or four years. So, um, but yeah, I, I kind of love it from the parents. You know, my father actually passed away three weeks ago. Now my own dad, he was sick after 12 weeks. So no, only 12 weeks. So, no, no, not at all. But I think a bit of perspective there from even his death in the last few weeks that how much he actually did for me and how much he taught me as regards even dealing with people and just being a bit more kind of, you know, being able to kind of regulate yourself and almost being able to kind of be, you know, being able to kind of hold back at times, you know, mm. being able to kind of say, no, don't, don't take the bait. Don't bite. Mm. I think that, that was kind of very prominent over the years where I had a kind of, as I said, a flourishing underage career and I would have been the target of kind of expectancy and kind of other clubs when I was younger. And he would have been great for just enabling you to deal with that kind of stuff without kind of, you know, sneering back or jeering. And I think that that stands in good stead when you go into coaching, that, that kind of influence of parents. And then, of course, you have mentors from a young age in your own club, a guy called Billy O'Neill. Brilliant to me. Real kind of straight talking kind of attitude towards things, but brilliant, brilliant mentor. And my primary school teachers. And look, when I went into secondary school, I went into... De La Salle, my own school that I'm teaching in, and I, um, I was probably the only student from the area where I was living in, in De La Salle College, and the brothers kind of took me under their wing, you know, great, great Kerry brother, actually, brother Tim O'Shea from, from Ken Mayer, he's actually celebrating his 90th birthday this week, so he, right. he kind of just looked after me, you know, and I got, I got, I was employed there for the summers, actually, you know, I, I was painting there for the summer, so it's almost seen as the poor boy from, from, you know, to, and I looked after him in a very, very caring way. And, and I never actually did an interview for my job in Dallas College, I believe, when I was doing my HD. 
the brothers rang me to tell me there was a job there for me. And <laughs> so I, nepotism and pull, it's probably not there anymore in life. But it was there. No, there's you some know, I never kind of took advantage of it either. You know, I, yeah. kind of, I, I was always appreciative of it. I mean, I still am. Yeah, there's going to be some HR department now making calls to, to find out what was going yeah. on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we were just I I wanted to I wanted to you know get into the the the, the nuts and bolts of the coaching side of it. And and I I heard you speaking in Croke Park at a, at a coaching conference a number of years ago. Um, and you spoke about the the, the idea of optimizing the me and the we. And uh, I thought it was a fascinating talk at the time. And I, I'd love just maybe to touch on a little bit of that stuff, if, if you don't mind, and just to bring it to people that that will be listening. Because I'm conscious, obviously, here there's people from, you know, basketball or football or rugby or every kind of a sport. But those things aren't aren't in any way uh, specific to hurling. They're 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 specific to coaching and 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 to everybody that's involved at that kind of level. So um, could you could you just talk a little bit about about that? You know, if you don't have to go into massive detail, but just in, in into into that whole concept that you your your kind of philosophy is based on, I suppose. Yeah, look, I, I think it's a well, you know, when I hear the word philosophy, you're right, like, but I I, I always kind of think that. It's a kind of a constant search, like you know, for for what to do right, you know. So, say take, take the cold, the cold hard world of business or or sport at the level that you're at at the moment, even in terms of or the level that I was at with Waterford, where there's an expectancy from yourself and there's an expectancy from board and there's expectancy from supporters and there's a certain pressure that goes with it. So you you know if you were to start with the measuring of success, then and you kind of said right, how do you measure or what does it look like and in sporting circles? No, like I, I, I lost. I think we were in five finals when I was water manager. We lost four of the five finals, you know. And and then in the cold world of Sky Sports analysis, you kind of, you know, it's twenty percent win rate, I suppose. But the idea of journey and, and the idea of learnings along the way, you now they, they don't impress some people, you know. They, they mightn't. But I began to kind of come to terms with those, not in a defeatist way. And I think that's where the whole me and we comes in, where you're actually you feel your 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 Right, you immerse yourself in something and it doesn't become all about you either because there's a danger if it does that ego becomes egotism. So there's a balance there to be struck. So you immerse yourself in it. You do it with absolute honesty and integrity and you do it also with good people around you that are advising you, helping you and the players become part of that process. And then I feel it becomes we then because you, you go on the journey and you, you take the peaks and troughs of of the bad days and the good days. You know, a Munster final in 2016, you know, being beaten by 20 points by Tipperary, and, you know, you, you turn on the local radio the next day, you turn on, you deal with all those downs, and then you go at it again, and you, you persevere, if you like, and you, and I think if you can, you know, I, I'm actually, I'm in the middle of a master's in, in, in psychology myself at the moment, at UTC, and I just, I found, and, I, and the reason I'm bringing this in, I'm probably going to tangent this, is, is it's it's I found it hard to get to that stage where I'm accepting of 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 that kind of you don't have the cup at the end of the journey you know what I mean and, and get that success so I'm kind of I'm at odds with that I suppose because ultimately like we want to claim win but satisfaction that you get from your connect like like I was involved with Leash Miners last year right yeah we, we put a huge effort into the whole year and then we bombed on the day of the match and. You're kind of saying, Jesus, so yeah, the first analysis is of yourself as a coach. It's like a business, I'd imagine when you have a, a bad day, you kind of say, Jesus, I, I, what do I need to do myself? Did I impart the message right? So you do the first bit of analysis yourself. 
And yet then when you when you take the helicopter view, as I think Owen Red was calling it on TV3 at the weekend, I was calling, you know that, you kind of say, well, right, there's a bigger picture here, I suppose. And have you created, you know, what, what I think your man Damien Hughes calls it in his book, Cultural Architects, which is people that can influence other people to change things. And I think that's a, so I, I'm I'm coming towards kind of the, right. the bigger picture, you know, yeah. I'm coming yeah. towards the bigger picture. So I think the we is the bigger picture. Bringing people with you with empathy, with but also with the pursuit of excellence, so that you can have emotion and logic side by side. So you can immerse yourself emotionally in it, and it looks like it's taking its effect on you. But when emotion kind of, you know, when when, when emotion kind of balances out, like you, you do things logically as well. So there's time. Mm-hmm. I would argue that in coaching, there's room for emotion and logic, and and that they're not kind of separate kind of entities. And I think that's important. You know, I think that's. That's where I see the important thing. And that's where, you know, in, in my time away from it at the Levendura, I, I'd be very, very hardened to that attitude if I went back into it. You know? Yeah, yeah. And it's a, it's a big paradigm shift for people that that you can, you it, it depends on your measure of success. Like, and obviously at inter-county or, or elite sport or big business or whatever, it's about, it's about results ultimately. And you, you mentioned, you know, one, one victory out of five finals and that's the way it, it will be analysed in that way. Um, but like, that that idea of of you can be successful, you know, by 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 taking that holistic view of of what you're doing and and by bringing players with you, and especially if we're talking down the chain to a minor team or 16s or 14s or club stuff, where you have coaches who are influencing the lives of young people moving forward, that that's going to be far more impactful than whether you won an under 14 county championship or under 16 county championship. And and and, and like if, if we could get to that kind of a place that you're talking to, it's it's obviously a very positive and healthy place for for youth sport across the board, isn't it? Yeah, and I think. You know, again, I'm going to preface it by saying I think we're not forgetting about the ability or the capacity for someone to experience winning and losing either, you know, or, or the pursuit of excellence. They're not going to, you know, like we in school, for instance, sometimes we put up a panel, we include everyone in the panel, and it's inclusivity, but there's still going to be a point where the conversation takes place. I think it's what it is. It's prepping the people for those conversations so that the feedback is imparted in a manner where it's not like, well, fake my quirk now for saying that, or Derek McGrath was saying, like, and there's learnings along the way. I remember, you know, Cullen, uh, the panel at the end of 2015 in Waterford or 2014, having had a horrendous year and I've got, you know, omitted 10 or 11 guys, giving them only 20 seconds or 30 seconds in a phone call and saying, geez, that was horrendous how I deal with, dealt with it. So I think it's those messages or those learnings, I suppose. And look, even, I have a very good mentor, actually, a really good mentor, Tom Brennan, who's actually a You might know Tom. Tom's a leachman and Tom got, is kind of central to my involvement with, with Leach Miners over the years because he's, uh, he's based in Waterford, a hugely successful uh, businessman over the years. But as this humility and this ability to kind of learn on the spot and constantly searching for learnings and, you know, and, and his influence on me in terms of just where he's focused my mindset over the last two years has just been huge, even around the whole area of... The neuros, you hear people talking about the growth mindset. He said, oh, I don't know, what does it mean? A fixed mindset, growth mindset. But he actually recommended a brilliant podcast to me um, by a fellow called Dr. Andrew Huberman. It's called The Neuroscience of Winning, right? And again, mm-hmm. I might, I've gone on a tangent here now, but it, it's What's just for me, what, what, I, what I often find in a panel or in a, in a business or in a group, you have diversity. So you have a thing called cognitive diversity. You probably read the book Rebel Ideas by Matthew Sayed, where you have this idea 
in the group or someone presents this idea and you say, Jesus, you know what? There's something in that. So the neuroscience of winning, winning is a guy called Andrew Huberman. He talked about the science behind the growth mindset. So in other words, the fact that if we take the here and now, like, you know, I'm grateful for, you know, the life that my father gave me, 71 years of age, died of lung cancer there on the 2nd of January. And I'm, I'm so grateful. So for the here and now, you have gratitude, you have love of your dog, you have all those things which secrete. And again, I'm no scientist, but I read about it and I study it, oxytocin or serotonin. And they, it's just for people that you might have in your panel that are mechanically minded. There might be someone in your group that likes data, they like stats, they like science. Or other people might like emotion and fist pumping and all that kind of stuff. So the other one, then the interesting one is the, the secretion of dopamine. And Huberman argues that when dopamine is secreted, so so in the pursuit of something, so say for instance, Mike Quirk gets the winning point in an all Ireland final. He's elated. He's he's giving it to Donaghy down the down the banks of the what do you think, Joe Brawley? He's giving it all that. He's just unbelievable. But the argument put forward by Huberman is that in pursuit of your goal, that dopamine is secreted, and you know, and and it actually hardwires your brain, forces neuroplasticity to take place, so that if you have a disappointment. And when you go back, it's actually hardwired so that you learn from the experience. So some people like to hear the scientific yeah. breakdown of, of the growth mindset. And I, I remember actually very good. And, and the, other, the other interesting thing is that you're, you're putting a massive effort into something and persevering at something. You're, you're secreting adrenaline in the pursuit of that effort, you know, in that effort. And he said that, he says, and he argues that, and the studies reveal that um, dopamine is actually secreted and it buffers adrenaline. So like I remember in 2017, we are 2017, we beat Kilkenny for the first time in, in since 1959, right? And and it was just before the match, we were in this dressing room. It was kind of a never no never never kind of moment in Torles. Mm. And the, the, the dressing was hopping, they were electric with kind of energy and mm. adrenaline, you know. And yeah. whatever way I looked in the middle of the dressing room, our bus driver was smoking a cigarette. <laughs> through the huddle of our, our dressing, right? This big cloud of smoke. It was like, it reminded me of Sid's Cafe in, in Hellboy, Only Fools and Horses. You know when you're getting the fry handed out to you and there's ashes nearly on the fry. So the point I'm making, I suppose, is that the, the kind of, the adrenaline, the dopamine resulted in this humor. It's kind of outbursts of laughter from all these Kevin Moore and Philip Manny and Tyg the Burke. They just started bursting out laughing. And the humor kind of brought the mood down what's needed so that can we the point i'm making i suppose is when i hear huberman talking technically and scientifically about adrenaline and dopamine i kind of say jesus that was like the time when humor can act as this release valve uh -huh. you know and i think fun that's where we talked but you thought the original question before i went off on this massive tangent was <laughs> you know no the, the fun element of yeah. the enjoyment element mm -hmm. of it for people when they're growing up from kids and the influence we can have so I think if we can find a simple way of explaining, explaining things mm -hmm. with anecdotes to support it, it just makes it so easier for everyone to depend on the one hymn sheet. But I do think that has started over the last year and a half, two years. It really yeah. do. And 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 it needs to, and it needs to happen. And, and that's a big part of the reason that youth sport all over the world struggles for for numbers when they get past 12, 13, 14 years of age, that um maybe maybe that success is being quantified in, in trophies and, and titles as opposed to you know, like the the the, the pursuit or the journey, as as you talk about it, um, just from your your experience as well, Derek. Just the the difference maybe between coaching and managing, 
you know, would you, would you obviously with the leash, the leash miners at the moment, you're doing a lot of the, the coaching side of it. And obviously with Waterford, you were, you were, you were the manager and different things, but maybe just talk a little bit about, about the, 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 you know, the, the contrasting sides of, of that deal. Yeah. And I, I, again, I put my head on the block there and kind of say that I wouldn't really kind of go along with the fact that there's, you know, if you take the rugby model, I suppose, with the head coach, i.e. Andy Farrer, or Joe Schmidt over the years, and you had, I think it's, I think it's Carney, I can't think it was right first name, I think Michael Carney, is it, that has, that was the original manager of Ireland, in terms of logistically operation and kind of everything, um, organisation of, you know, travel, logistics, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Uh, over the years, even though Dan Shanahan was our kind of head coach, head skills coach, I would have had a huge input into the actual training, and I like that, you know, mm-hmm. I even read about Tuchel now in Chelsea where he takes kind of a hands-on role yeah. and you read subsequently about Alex Ferguson who just arrived and left McLaren and Carlos Queiroz and all those yeah. kind of take it so I think there's room for a mix and match mm-hmm. you know I think if I were to get involved in get, again I, I would certainly I'd like to be you know a manager but I think I could kind of probably compartmentalise some some of the duties associated with management and almost appoint them to another um, area if the GA allowed it, if they weren't going to, <laughs> if, yeah. they, if they're not going to, if they're not going to bloody tone down on, on, on the backroom teams now, they seem to be hitting hard on, on the backroom teams. But look, that's another probably discussion. But um, yeah, I think to answer your question, I suppose, I think, um, yeah, I'd still like to have an input into, into the strategy of how the team plays, sets up, you know, even, even you know, to get the coach to kind of say, how, how are you going to present that tonight? It sounds a bit dictatorial, which I wouldn't be, but I, I think if you know your squad and your staff, well enough and I, I don't even like using the word staff sounds like a bloody but if you know the people you're working with well enough you kind of say how, how are you going to do that and then I, I present to them as well how I'm going to do it and they might pick holes in mine as well so it's not it's not a I say it's not a one way street but I think it's yeah. I think there's room for, for both kind of you know duties of both if you like to be kind of because I, w- I would have operated over the years with no real hard and fast and kind of you know kind of you know demarcation lines you know I'm kind of just try and have this big body of people uh, inputting and, and they know their place then without kind of, you know, being dictatorial. If yeah. the environment is right, like, they'll feel really part of it and they'll, they love the opportunity to express an opinion about something, you know? Yeah. And, and talk to me about that environment. How, how do you, how do you create that? How you go about creating that environment where, where they do feel free enough to, to express an opinion if they have one? Yeah, I think, I think it takes time. I think, very obvious things that have to be built up, like trust. And I think you have to show the example, first of all, that you care. And, and simple things, practical nature, that is kind of punctuality, follow-ups, follow-on calls, you know, making sure that you're, you're up and at it, that you're, you know, if it's the video analysis department, if you like, that you're, you're, you've been the first to kind of look at it, to kind of, you know, that you're not just talking about something that, you know, that, that you haven't seen or watched. So, showing genuine care and concern and I suppose openly admitting when you get things wrong and without losing power, if you like. I don't mean power. Power is the wrong word. Without losing the kind of balance of where you need to be as as the perceived leader of the group, if you like. So building up trust, um, a real strong work ethic and a good bit of clarity from the start of when, when you start working with these people. You know, you know, I, again, I was in discussion with, with, with Dermot, my mate this morning, we're talking about the three collective sessions per week, but, you know, in terms of the GA's decision, they, they maybe to go with that. I said, geez, what if a team are, are psychologically, you know, 
at a low ebb and, and you feel you need to push them more. And you mean and also the message that perhaps is not out there as much as I'd like to see where the boys actually thrive on being being together and the happiness comes from being together under the tutelage of a manager that cares for them. And this is their life. This is their when they're not socializing, they're coming together and they can actually enjoy training and they can enjoy the whole process. Because I think sometimes this demonic kind of kind of you know presentation of a manager has been you know kind of you know, dictatorial and ruining their lives and, and making sure that they're, they're kind of almost robotic. It's, I don't think that's, I don't think that's as, as, as true as people kind of create that image. And I'd be kind of, I'd be strong on, on, on creating a, a, a diff, different picture than that. So I think it takes time, that, that kind of time to build up that, that trust. But it's, uh, it's like, say, for instance, if you went in like yourself to a county leash or myself where I'm helping out with leash, you kind of, you don't want to go in straight away maybe and huddle up and, and putting your arms around telling me you love him or telling me you have an emotional connection. Yeah. You might want to be a bit more, not frosty, but you might want to be a little bit standbackish until you reach that epiphany moment where you've worked hard over a period and you can say, oh, Jesus, I really feel. Otherwise, you'd be like a tour guide, you know, ramping out the same stuff everywhere you go. And I think sometimes fellas, you know, can see through that. But look, that's only just a kind of... Very yeah, but that's it's 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 probably though about that developing that kind of connection eventually, you know, mm. and mm. and that's not going to happen in the first week or or a couple mm. of weeks, and it is like trying mm. to build up trust and and that's the same thing whether it's whether that's intercounty or it's or it's your local under fourteen team, it, it doesn't it doesn't really matter what level it is. It, the principle is the same. If 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 you are showing them that you're there for for them and 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 not for your own kind of ego, as you mentioned, and you build up that trust in. Then that connection and that sense of of uh, of well, this is a good place to be, and it's a good environment, and it's a positive place to learn and to yeah. play and enjoy. Then that's 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 what you're looking for in sports, and try and keep these kids playing longer and have a have a more sustainable experience through sport, I suppose. Really, um, just just in terms of maybe some of the challenges. No, and again, it doesn't have to be personal to the Waterford situation, but for coaches in general, like what are what are some of the kind of stumbling blocks or challenges that that you've come across that. You know that people maybe you know can can pick out and, and and be more aware of, I suppose. Yeah, great question. Now, um, yeah, I think the first one is your own your own your own personality. Like you know, sometimes it can be the first stumbling point if you like that. I, I talked about it already, so I won't go into it too much. In terms of your absolute immersion in it, to the point where where you know you become not overly emotionally involved, but you just kind of want it so much, and you can want something so much. That actually can hinder your 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 natural kind of or, or the development of the team and getting that balance right is important and and I think that's that's one obstacle. I think second one is is a very obvious one from a business and from a you know a team point of view, the clarity and the transparency needed with the relationship with those people around you. Like, so your partnerships, like with board, you know the alignment that's needed. I suppose you know in terms of just. I talked about the growth mindset already. You know, that, that kind of, where is this going? Like, and what's the big picture here? And as I said, when you say big picture to kind of maybe local scribes or local journalists or, or maybe even local supporters, to kind of, they might see it, but it's, it's inculcating those that big picture values, your team to the board, to supporters, and finding a way to kind of, and this sounds wrong, but to put a spin on that almost, to put, not a spin, but put reality on that with where you want to go and what you want to achieve. Mm. Take the situation in Leinster football, even, mm. with, the, with the Dublin argument. And, and look, what, what, what are our goals? Where do we want to go? Like, what, what, what's achievable? 
what are our learnings? What can we celebrate small successes? Like, you know, even as I said with the Leash Miners last year, despite being well beaten by a really good offering team, you know, will some of them come true? Will they benefit from what they were taught, what they taught me as well? And, you know, their, their learnings along the way. And did they have a pithy moment during it? So I think partnership and alignment with the goals. I think also the, the realisation, I suppose, the obstacles and a realisation by people within clubs and, and schools and, and counties, I suppose, and in county boards that, you know, that balance between tradition and, and innovation and trade change, I think I referred to it actually in the conference there some years ago, the fusion of those ideas. So, you know, like for instance, in De La Salle, you, you know Joey Cartman. Joey's a great visionary, right? Joey, a number of years ago, we moved grounds up to Grace Dew. And at the time, we are kind of say, this is a big move. Like, and we had one field in the heart of Waterford City and we were just moving three or four miles up. And Joey had a vision and everyone just came in behind that vision. And of course, you get kind of maybe dissenting voices, people saying, I wonder, should we or shouldn't we? But the, the point I'm supposed to make in the overall picture is that even during the peaks and troughs along that journey, we've realised that was the right thing to do no matter how you're going. And I think that's getting all people on on that kind of wavelength is 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 difficult, you know? Mm. And, if, you know, it's difficult to get that alignment with, with, with everybody because someone else might pick up the reins of, of, of your failings, even if you like to call them failings, or your ill look or your whatever. And the next person comes in and be able to kind of build on those particular stages. And I think getting yourself into a mindset where it doesn't really matter about the next person, it, it more matters about the big thing, the big picture, I suppose. And look, that's that sounds obvious, but I think good leadership will percolate down eventually, is what I mean. Mm. The, 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 you know, it might be the first year after, but it'll eventually yeah. percolate down to say, Jesus, you know what? Those principles are important. And they, they, they found their way down in terms of preparation. We take out this, we use this. And I think if you can get good people with that particular vision at the top level above you, working with you, you know, even a simple thing like, you know, you know, a realisation that, that young lads have changed. You know, you know, you're talking about mental health, you're talking about the whole area of, of well-being. And I know some people argue that it's overused and all that. And I still argue, I have a 15-year-old here and a 7-year-old, and you're trying to get the balance between, you know, looking after his health, mental health, but also... I don't say, I'm not saying making them tough, but kind of, you know, yeah. like, 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 like I, I spoke earlier on, like my father and mother never said to me, I love you, David. Yeah. <laughs> it just wouldn't yeah. happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas I say to my seven-year-old now, who's a bit of a, a bit of a tyrant now, my seven-year-old, and that's probably, you know, <laughs> he's, he's, he's lively, shall we say, yeah. right? And, but I'd often say going to bed at night, and this is an indirect way of asking, answering the question. He's one, I'm proud of you. I said, I'm proud of you, you know, and I love you. And I say, Jesus, if you could maybe tone down on, on, you know, what you're doing in school with the lads. No, so you're yeah. trying to, whereas that might have existed like even 15 years ago, you know, when I, I'm 44 and I'm 45 in May, so I'm going, sorry, it didn't exist 25 years ago, so I mean more than anything, or even 30 years ago. The point I make, I suppose, is that a realisation at, at all levels that, hang on, these fellas have changed, you know, society has changed, they yeah. want information. You know, yeah. I, got, I got an awful hammer on, on a Sunday game a couple of years ago where I said, do you believe? I think I think actually these young fellas thrive on the information. They actually love getting information from coaches, and they like the feedback. And they, you know, and, and that was my experience of it. That they didn't actually they wanted the kind of instruction and they wanted feedback. Yeah. Of course, they wanted to live as well. But that balance is important. 
Yeah, they absolutely want they absolutely want feedback. See, like you you mentioned it there a couple of minutes ago about um, you know the, the the view of the manager being the guy that's you know demanding that players give up their lives to play the sport or whatever. Interestingly, like we we wanted to shut down a couple of weeks ago to to give fellas a break just because uh, because of the uncertainty of when you're going to play when you're going to train. It's very difficult for players to to remain focused and motivated. You know when when you have that uncertainty. But it was the players that came back and said, no, like we don't want to shut down. We want to continue doing what we're doing because it's given us a really positive focal point to our week to be able to say no I, i've got my three sessions done i've i've lifted this weight and i've gone up on on, on what i'm supposed to do and um and they've and, and they've taken that as a real positive thing because they've been they've been given it i suppose to drive and they, and they want to drive it themselves but it just backs up maybe what you were saying about that 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 narrative that's out there about it's the it's the manager it's the one driving the whole thing when really it's the players are craving it like they want the information they want the, the support to try and be as 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 good as they can possibly be, I suppose. Really, you know. Um, yeah. Just uh, and and the Jason Sherlock there a couple of weeks ago as well mentioned you you mentioned there just the way that good leadership percolates down. It mightn't be an immediate thing, and it might be a year or two or whatever. He spoke about that idea of delayed gratification as well as uh, you know as a coach that that maybe you're not the one that that will benefit from you know the the, the title or, or from the work that you're after doing right now, but that that longer term view is is obviously the way it's going and, and you'd obviously you obviously subscribe to that kind of a, a view as well yeah and look that's i think that's not without its natural uh, human nature difficulties you mm. know and I, if mm. i can explain it's right like 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 take for instance my, my father was very ill now at christmas so the, you know and i i, I kind of with, with 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 the compliance of, of rte and the examiner i kind of pulled out of my duties that were you know not duties but you know i i, I they've been very good to me both tony lean and, and Declan McBenet and rte so i just my father as i said was, was terminally ill and, and we didn't know so but it was an interesting dynamic heading even the week of the all Ireland this year you know the two weeks in that you know you've had this massive emotional uh, link to the players and and you're a year out of the job but there was still a, a hint of geez i'd love to be there you know i yeah. think I think people first the first part of of you know the whole idea of what what, what Jason talked talked about in terms of gratification is 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 kind of a realization that this is natural, you know, the mm. feelings. Because like I'm teaching with Philip Mann, you know, for instance, and I'd be good friends with the brick that uh, brick that and I was thinking, geez, the brick is the brick it was in first year he stepped away from it. They're gonna win it, they're gonna get over the line, right. you know, and and, and it, you know, but there wasn't a hint of regret, it was just a, a weird kind of feeling. And Philip was teaching me and he had opted out at the start of the year, and I was trying to say to Philip, How are you feeling? And he was he was saying, Look, I'm all in for the lads, but you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm a little bit kind of I'd like to be there, but I think the realization that these things are natural. So yeah, so I think the longer you're away from it, this is my year three away from it. Mm. I'm definitely better than I was the first year. Yeah, but the first year I there's never a stage, I'm a Warford man, I played with Warford, I played with club. never a stage, you're not shouting for Warford. But the natural inclination is to kind of want to be involved. Of course. Yeah, and I think that, I think the first step in that, if anyone says otherwise, I think they're they're being dishonest. You know, I, I saw yeah. Gara had a brilliant article this year about when he started working for RTE, and I think they'd beaten New Zealand for the first time, right. um, and he, was, he wasn't involved, and he was kind of raging that he wasn't involved. And I think he was just really honest. So... Would I be absolutely thrilled for the lads and for Liam Cal and the boys to get over the line of course? Would it be a little bit inside me saying, geez, I'd love to be there on, on the end of the steps there to Hogan Stanwood? Jesus, of course. 
absolutely yeah. of course yeah it's only only natural like and that's that's and, and like you said anybody who's telling you that that, that that it's not the case then they're either a robot or they're telling you lies but um maybe just to just to I, and i want i'm not going to keep you all all day and i appreciate not your time all. obviously derek but just uh in terms of of how how you have seen coaching change from your days when you were when you were a player first of all playing minor with Waterford and, and your club and whatever to what maybe your last experience well with Waterford and obviously with Leash and, and, and through the school and stuff how how have you seen that coaching journey evolve maybe in, in that period of time? Well to practicalize it I suppose if you go to even 98 when I was involved 94 I suppose I was involved with Minors. It was very, very simple and straightforward. I don't think we stretched till '98, like in terms of just even physical components. If you want right. to be honest, because in '98, I think it was one or two guys on on the panel with mobile phones. So that'll give you an idea as to yeah. So I was in UCD in '98. I remember. I think it was only one guy on the panel in, with, with a mobile phone. But um, <laughs> so I know that's not the answer to the question. But just to give you an idea. Yeah. So I think. Yeah. But I think back in the day, then it was in '98 was the first kind of encounter with with. with Science, I suppose, in that we we did what was called a neutron diet at the time in, in Waterford '98, and it was you got a blood test and you were given tolerant and intolerant foods, and it fell off you in a couple of weeks. And first, if you were partial to the bit of, to, to the bad grub like myself, once it was off you, and you went back then, sort of was kind of a it was yeah. back to the normal then in terms of the in terms of the snack boxes, etc. But anyway, so. Uh, yeah, but I remember it was a bit of science, but it was still back in the day that it was kind of what I call Miko Dwyerish. It was laps, it was huge amount of running, sprints, mm. and a match of training, if you like. And nowadays, I suppose, it's a lot more kind of scientifically kind of based with Waterford. It was kind of, we might have, you know, collective sessions earlier in the year, you're, the usual thing, you're building up stamina, it might be repeated runnings, it might be kind of, you might have a segmented training where you're working on skills in one end, forwards are working here, backs are working here. So it's evolved hugely, and obviously game based is the is the fad, if you like. But I, I think there's still room for, and I think I actually heard yourself and Keen O'Neill uh, on a podcast of the Examiner talking about coaching in general during last year. I could be wrong there, but so anyway, it could be Keen O'Neill where they talked about that need for skill development. Still, you know, you know. So I go back to the, 90, the early nineties where the two of us were just poking them twos across the field, and then we go into a match. Or the forwards are out, we get back to the top of the field, actually behind the goal, or poking it over the bar, we come out, manager says something, we have a match, we go home. I still think there's room for the integration of, you know, just you know, simple enough striking drills, allied to the, the science, allied to the savagery, allied to the gameplay stuff. I, I think it's your overall plan. I still think there's there's an important emphasis that needs to be put on, on those, all those being developed. Um Depending on what way you want to go about it, if you like, but I, I um, mm. you know, I, I'm always interested in the debate between science and and savagery, you know, mm. because like we would have trained a couple of years on Christmas Day with Waterford, and people were saying, "Oh Jesus, this is madness!" But we felt a, we felt we needed a bit of a psychological edge, and b, the lads liked a bit of racing on Stephen's Day and wherever Leperstown or whatever. So we just it freed them up. We, we kind of would yeah. break until the 3rd of January and we'd say, right, let's enjoy a few beers over Christmas, Stephen's night. And we had an age group of lads that were going to be going out anyway between the 26th and, and 2nd yeah. of January. So we'd say, look, we'll get our session in now. You'll enjoy it. You get a good hit into you, good, feel good about it. And they loved it. You know, I know that sounds, but it's, it's, um, I, I think that, 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 
know your relationship with the SNC coach. How do you get that right? You know, you know, you look at the really good the Limerick setup. It looks like a very obvious alignment between Kinnerick Coyley and Mikey Coyley and Joe O'Connor before him and in Dublin, Brian Cullen and Gavin and Desi Farr. The handdown seemed to be really good, you know, and the but but I think that the, the right of a coach or a manager to to be able to read where the team are and where they need to go, I think that can't be ignored either, you know. Yeah. So you know, I think that's yeah. And 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 the like you you mentioned, I I I can remember. I think yeah, Keen O'Neill. I was having a chat with Keen O'Neill, and uh, I can't remember who else was there. Maybe Tony McEntee or, or somebody. But um, and it, it was kind of about like the the idea of of the the games based approach and and. Um, like again, I, I would agree that I don't think like drills now are getting a, a, a bad name, you know, yeah. like, the, like there's something really bad with drills. Uh, and, and the way I always viewed the drill idea was, was that, you know, it's, it's like going, it's like you go to the drills if you need to go to the doctor and you need to fix something, you know, if you can, if you can show up and you can play a game like you're talking about and the, and the game is going really well, whatever, whatever sport it is, if, if all the skills are being executed really well, well then that's fine. You, you stay with your games and you keep mixing up your games and you go different numbers and different whatever, and you can, you know, do all that. That's great. But if, if the kicking is really poor, if the shooting is really poor, the striking, whatever it is, then, then there's no problem going to a drill for five or 10 minutes and say, let's, let's specifically work on this one point to see if we can improve it, be really conscious about it. And then we let's go back to the game again and let's go. The, the problem with it was that that traditional idea of, of GA was probably becoming more of a drills based activity in training rather than a games based. Um, and, and like of all the research that's there now would suggest that if you want to keep kids playing, you need to service their need for, for actually playing the game and whether that's in training or giving them time during matches, they need to play. And, and, and that's probably, that's probably that the whole prevalence of the games based, like you, you mentioned that, um, you know, it's a, a fad or, or it's a, it's the new, it's the new thing, I think, but it's, mm. it's, it's certainly, it's certainly a powerful tool for, for people in clubs. If they want people to keep coming and enjoy what they're doing, it is to try and give them more of the game during their training, isn't it? Yeah. And I think, the conference, the year after I was involved in the conference, there was a guy there from the Belgian FA who talked about kind of what Belgium had, had done to become the number one team in the world, even just in terms of game space stuff and developing subtly the integration of tactics or shape within, you know, your game space. So even, so I'm involved with the under eights now with De La Salle, my own club, and, 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 um, just to make sure that my uncle is hitting the freeze in the pennies. I'm only, <laughs> I'm only, <laughs> it's, it's stopping him hitting fellas over the head. Like, but, anyway, um, yeah, but, but, but even I took that from him where sometimes we might have a, you know, a five aside and they're all chasing the ball. And he just said, she's put one, one on either goal and put one against one out in the middle. And, you know, gonna get, get him playing in smaller numbers. And mm. then all of a sudden you might have a, you know, for instance, you might have a, you know, six playing together, six playing together. And then all of a sudden you might, Say right, these are the, your six backs, and you might look at subtly integrating the shape that the team wants to play. And if you're playing with a sitting centre back or a wing back that's attacking, you know you might be able to do it in a manner where it becomes kind of almost, you know, part of our normal kind of development. I think that's where I think that's a good thing that coaching will go that way if it's subtly introduced. Even, even you know what I was thinking, even in terms of involved with my own senior club this year, Dallas my own club, giving a hand there, and. Uh, you know, even some of the runs that they might be doing over it, that you'd run in the shape that would kind of be similar so that it's kind of become the brain. You know, sometimes the, the old movie, The Karate Kid, where he's playing defence 
it sounds like a mad kind of analogy in terms of the building blocks of, of learning things, but sometimes there can be very subtle ways of, of learning things that can be applicable then as they go through the years. And I think that's, again, if, you have, if they have the patience to go. So to, to come back to your point about drills, you might have a situation with a, a group of under, a really talented group of under 15s that are down in, 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 in De La Salle Club or in Ballygun or whatever, and you're doing, they might do the drill as a starting point to the game. like So you, you kind of, or you might have a fallback. We're not able to do the game, so we'll go back to the drill to kind of, to teach the kind of basic of what we're trying to do. So I think there's, I still think there's room for a mix and match. Yeah, mix and match is absolutely, yeah, there's no, there's no problem there once. And, and like, it's, it's, it's just that issue. If, 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 a, if a coach is running a session, which is primarily a drills-based activity, you're, you're not servicing the kids need for, yeah. for that autonomy to, to feel yeah. like they're really engaged in the whole thing a little bit more. And they're not really having, you know, a whole pile of ownership over it. But you, you just mentioned there that it was, was a your young fellow that mentioned just kind of about that small side of games. Like I was, I remember a couple of months ago, there was a two two clubs playing like smallies, no under eights or tens or whatever, and and they were playing twelve aside, like you know twelve aside at, at, at uh, under eights or tens or whatever, instead of just making two games six aside, you know, small, very small practical yeah. things where where guys are getting more touches and more decisions and, and more tackles and and all that kind of stuff, and uh, and that's that's all that kind of games based approach is just trying to just trying to be novel with the game to make sure that they're you're replicating what's happening in the match, obviously with with um, with those numbers. But um, just in terms of just in terms of, of of maybe your own improvement, Derek, since you started coaching, like if there was something, you know, something significant or, or since you started coaching, something you'd love to have back, you know, you say, like, look back 20 years ago when I started coaching, Jesus Christ, if I could go back there and change that, I, I'd love to because now I've I, I've got a very different perspective on on that whole idea. Yeah, another good question. Yeah, it's um. First of all, I'd be less sensitive, I think. You know, I, I, I can be sensitive enough, I think. Now, sensitivity is not a bad thing either because it kind of, you know, there's a thing called positive paranoia where you're, you have, you feel like you have a level of emotional intelligence to kind of see things happening before they happen, yeah. but you don't know everything. You know, so you kind of just yeah. kind of read a situation and say, geez, I don't think, I don't think um, Mike was happy going home from training. So, so I think I'd be less sensitive. I think as well, and again, this is just very... I suppose if I personalise it to, to an example of, of even, you know, the All-Ireland, if you like, we lost the All-Ireland in, in 17, you know, and I know this is not, and I'd say to myself, what, what, what would I have done differently in terms of even prep or, you know, Connor, I, I just, I remember Connor Gleeson was suspended for the final and we'd gone through a very, very rigorous process to try and free, I suppose, or get time to work it to play the semi-final, DRA from DCC to our head the hearings committee to DRA lost thing Thursday night. And we didn't feel we'd have much of a chance with Connor, I suppose, but I preached a lot about inclusivity and us being a spirited all as one group. And we just gave up on the Connor one straight away. We didn't kind of, you know, if I, you know, so I talk about principles and honesty and togetherness and fighting on our backs for one. And I just felt we should have, we should have kind of seen it out with Connor all the way to the DRA albeit I kind of weighed up the likelihood of winning the, the case is, is kind of slim but and and the hassle that will surround it for the two week build up will kind of dominate so I think they were the kind of other things that were on the yeah. other side of my brain but I, I overall I kind of think and also so that's one element in terms of improvement in terms of the real even though I was thinking I think I really needed to go back to what we were about and what we stood for 
to, to back this man. And the power of backing this man might have helped us, even if he hadn't got off, if you like, right? Yeah. And the second thing would be, I probably, on a personal level, in 17, when we won the semi-final, playing in a manner that we scored like 31 points, 419, and it was in a manner that I would have always wanted the team to play, like really just a perfect balance between, you know, kind of expressing yourself and, and just structure, you know, and, mm. and just, just loved it. And I almost kind of let myself, allow myself a kind of a couple of days of kind of, you know, his shoulders back and, you know, yeah. kind of, a, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, so, so, I just allow myself to to kind of kind of you know have a moment if you like, and I think at the same time I'd say Mihal and I'm good friends with Mihal and the Galway fellas were they had an edge like you know and mm -hmm. we just lost the edge in four or five days of of you know and I, I was interested I saw Ian Cal remark last week that he felt Waterford weren't going well the week before this year as I learned and I would have I would have felt we didn't go well and I I would have felt responsible I I kind of allowed myself a little now I know you have to do that but I read. Yeah. A really good book, um, Hunger in Paradise. Okay, Erasmus Ericsson, or, or, or I think it is anyway. Yeah. Um, and there's a chapter in it, like as well as it's called, like it's called Never Trust Success and Burn Your Trophies. And just keeping the edge, you know, just keeping the edge. And Tom, I, I looked at that and Tom Brennan there from his business perspective and even his help in sporting circles, where there's an edge there the whole thing, like the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, not in a greedy way. Are just in a way where that just keeps them extremely motivated. So yeah, they're, they're the lessons for me that when you have your moment, like you kind of Jesus, you know. I, I remember even for instance the 2017 I learned even when we lost it, I was on the banquet afterwards, and everyone was saying, "Oh, we hope you stay there." And I knew I was going to stay, but I left to kind of go for a couple of weeks. Almost became a bit self not self centered, but you know, I was kind of playing a cute game. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think yeah. if you get cute. You're in bother, you know. I think it's you know if you get cute, you know that's the time to go when you start getting, you know what I mean by cute. I mean kind of just you kind of start thinking, you know, I leave this play out for a few weeks. And yeah. Now you'd be thinking of others. You'd be thinking the lads will get a good holiday and everything will be looked after. Then I go back in. But, but you're thinking of yourself a small bit too. And I think when you get to that stage, you, you should just roll yourself back in. So they are the lessons for me, I suppose, and I think they're the lessons for anyone in life or in business. Yeah, and they're very personal things, obviously, and and, and mm. from your own experiences, that's 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 uh, that's powerful stuff. Maybe maybe just Derek from uh, for for new coaches, maybe starting out who who are after like yourself, maybe they're they're gone down to the field now with their uh, with their own young lad or young girl who's who's starting out and they're and they're interested in getting involved in coaching. Like any any kind of message, I suppose, for for people at that side of the journey where they're really only only beginning to to find their feet in it. I think the first thing is there's a lot of people that get involved in coaching that have that have no experience of the game and they, they spend a lot of their life trying to explain themselves as to why you know I look I don't really know much about it. They kind of nearly they nearly start the conversation with that. So I think mm. the first step is you can know the game like and be a student of the game and love the game and be passionate about the coaching of it, even if you haven't had a huge experience of playing the game. And like, we meet yeah. a lot of them in our club. I know we'll leave that off to Derek and we leave that off to Joey or no, so I think that's the first step, kind of a, a confidence step where coaches can be coached and step forward and kind of say, no, I'm able to. From a second level, I think is, is and I think this is, is happening, which is no pigeonholing in terms of positioning or, or playing or, and we've mentioned already games based, total hurling, like, you know, he's the goalie, go back in the years, we were lined up in the direction of one, two, three, four, five, and I still do that sometimes myself, 
or in it, we were lined up on the field with the full back line exception. No pigeonholing. In hurling, and this is only just a person, get the ball up with your hand as fast as you can, as regards even a younger person. So that means even hurling your right hand, or if you're left-handed, hurling the left hand, ball in the right hand, running around with the ball in hand and getting used to just running around with the ball in hand. Because, you know, hitting the ball on the ground, oh, it's grand and it's, it's a skill that has to be developed. And I'm not knocking how the game was played. It was a brilliant game when it was like that. But it has changed and I think it's going to evolve even more in terms of... But I think I, I think I said in the last three or four All-Irelands, I think the ball was hit on the ground four times in four All-Irelands. You know, you know, right, it was tipped to the side before it was picked up. That's a different thing. But So get it, get it in your hand and run around with it. It increases the whole idea of vision and... You know, and, and and then just have a randomness to what you're doing down there in terms of the the hurling. Like you know that that yeah, you can integrate the, the proper swing and and you know my young fellow here is seven. He loves Star Wars, right? He absolutely loves Star Wars. Now he plays a bit of hurling without being mad into it. Mm. But I, I'm I watch him playing with lightsabers here, and I know this sounds crazy now. This sounds like I'm really off the wall here. <laughs> and I'm say coach, but. Yeah, he uses a bit of a hoover and a lightsaber kind of to pretend kind of fight. He has yeah. a good imagination, like Orn. But he picks up the hurley love or the, the lightsaber love, almost like Patrick Hawk in, in full flight. And I kind of say to myself, this fella now is going to be all right when he gets yeah. the hurley. You know, so yeah. you'd be surprised if you can even be sharp enough to see things at home. Yeah. You know, I know Pat, Pat Lamb did it with the slitter or the rugby ball. Get the ball in their hands, simple games at home. You know, throw the ball at the skittles. In, integrate all them into your hurling for five and six shows when you're down the field and before you know it those skills will become part of their whole being so look I, that's a again it's a, probably a off the wall answer but, but no I know and, and, and like no. that that idea of of you know like I spoke about it maybe last week or the week before that the idea of specialization always is, is is kind of dying away like that for every for every one Tiger Woods who who only plays golf you know every every hour of his life there's millions of other people who are who are who are like sampling loads of different sports, like a Roger Federer who are who are playing soccer or basketball and football, and then suddenly they find their path when they get to 16, 17 years of age, you know. And and, and actually, Mike, on that, you, you probably know Angela Duckworth's book, Brit, right? Mm. He actually talks about the science behind sampling. Mm. But you know, as regards like how like, it's no coincidence without bigging you up, like you. You look at the hands like Quirk and Donny he has have over the years in terms of basketball and the influence, you know, you know, Sherlock or Ingle or all those guys that were brought in over the years with different and 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 different kind of perspectives on things and how they see things, the screening and all those. I see it in my own school here. Brother Tom just has a brilliant idea of being able to see things that other people can't see. You know, even mm. when we play a five-a-side in our soccer, he's just, you know, it's just great vision. But the point I'm making, I suppose, is that without knocking my, my upbringing, and I had a brilliant upbringing, you know, um, you know, I think sampling the sports and sampling at all levels and being able to kind of say, I'm learning, taking a bit from this and you'd be surprised what they pick up from each. I think it's a, it's brilliant for them. Yeah, and uh, and there is huge crossover now between the games, and and that's that's great. And the more exposure without without having them out seven nights a week is uh, is uh, is, a, is a, giving giving them time to play with the lightsaber and stuff is obviously yeah uh, yeah oh, a big part of it, you know. But um, come here, just I we're we're nearly there. Just in the, in terms of like, and, and you've probably answered this in one way in in, in terms of you you studying a, a master's right now. But uh, how how like your own improvement, like Derek? How what are you doing? Or what do you try to do to 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 stay to stay current and to stay knowledgeable and, and to keep improving yourself as a as a coach? 
Well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get a bit of weight down, first of all. I mean, that was not a person. You know, I'm so, you right. know, just trying to... That, no, just physically, I was supposed to... I was trying to... You know, physically, I was trying to improve, I suppose, without becoming one of these guys that's going to appear now with a head of hair and a set of white teeth. And I'm not going to be... You know, <laughs> you know, I still have my deficiencies. I'm aware of my limitations. But I... Yeah. I you know, I, I think from a physical element, I think I, I'm trying to improve. I'm taking... I've less procrastination, you know, so I, I'm, I would have, you know, you know, procrastinated a bit over the years. Well, if I kind of left things on the long finger. So mm. that, that's one improvement area, like answering the phone, getting back to people a little bit quicker and just, you know, that kind of area. And I think, I think what I'd be better is time management into the future. Like, you know, if I got involved, I would go to, not the Jim Gavin route, but early morning, if I had anything to deal with a player, I'd, you know, I'd be trying to bang it out between half six maybe and nine o'clock or half eight. And you know, we, we had a kind of a, a a saying in Warford that we came up with, like, you know, got road, got law. We were saying everything every day, but no matter what we do, like so and I read a good book, Pete Carroll's book, he's actually the Seahawks coach, mm. you know, live forever. And he kind of has a similar mantra, like where you you know, everything you do at a given time. So when you're playing with the lightsabers, you're giving that everything. Mm-hmm. So my learnings and my improvement areas will come around the whole area of time management, I'd say. And, you know, being able to kind of, you know, be the best at what I'm doing at that given moment. So when I, like, I, I, for instance, I took parental leave when I was over Warford. And, and, you know, I think I'd be well able now to kind of teach. You know, I, I have my yeah. notes on a computer now for teaching. It's not a matter of press and play, but I'd be able to teach. I'd be able to take a team. Yeah. And I'd be able to give a hand down the club. You know, so Saturday morning, that for the seven to nine months. When I'm down there, I'm giving it everything. I have a WhatsApp group for the parents. I'll give that everything. Or, you know, or, or 9 to 11, whatever time. Yeah. My younger has to go to soccer, then I'll bring him to soccer. And then in the afternoon, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm saying I'm going for a walk, a walk with, with, with Sarah. Or, you know, and then in the yeah. evening, I'm training. So I, it's, I suppose the management of the week would be a lot better. So they'd be the main kind of things that I'd hope to improve on. And, and the psychology course is, is as much the kind of re-emphasize what you might know from, from instinct or gut. Mm, then mm. also, as I said earlier on, the mechanically minded fellas in the panel, the fellas that they want the, the data and the numbers and they yeah. want the science, it, it upskills you in that area to be able to say, you know, you hear a lot about performance psychology now and it's an area I've just been interested in for mm. years without being qualified in the area. And I was kind of saying to myself, geez, I must try and get the qualification in the yeah. area. And um, so I just, look, I, I'm pursuing that over, over the next year and a half, I suppose. And I, Brilliant. Look, I mean, but I, I like it, and as I say, but I still there's lots I wouldn't use in it, you know. Yeah. There's lots I kind of, you know, because I think it's not gimmicky, but there's some parts of it that you kind of you just need to get it right for the group that's in front of you. you know, I think that's the key thing. That whatever group are in front of you, age group or profile or where they are psychologically, um, I think that's important to kind of bear in mind. But it's it's even the the pursuit of the information, oh, and 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 the, you know the pursuit of that knowledge is. Like you know, inadvertently you're you're picking up stuff that's going to that's going to not only improve your coaching. That's great if it does that, and obviously, but it'll improve you as a as a person and and, and what you're doing, which is which is uh, which is very very commendable. Uh, I, I'm going to wrap it up, Derek, with with um with just if there's anything if there's anything maybe that 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 I haven't touched on that you think would be an important kind of a, a message for coaches. Again, again, just being conscious that. I know, I know. There's people here that are cricket coaches and basketball and everything. So, is there any kind of any kind of powerful kind of coaching thing that you just feel that maybe we haven't touched on that you'd like to finish with? No, I really got gotten into most things. I suppose, I suppose, an area I touched on, which is which is the area of 
of diversity, I suppose, and cognitive diversity, where you have a team of people, so in a business or in a cricket, you know, management team or a Gaelic football management team. And I think the importance of not having a kind of a a deliberate maverick or a deliberate kind of, you know, creative genius that's outside the bubble of your thinking. But, but almost, if you do have one, the inculcation of that into your thinking and the man, and the players thinking and how can you use that? And, and I think that, that's important. Like that, that kind of, don't be afraid to kind of put two things together that, that are seemingly kind of not in, not in harmony, like not, yeah. not in symmetry. You know, I think mm. that's, and I think I, I've learned that now with, with even my relationship with, with, with Tom or my relationship with people over the years that like, like, like I, I give, take even Dan over the years. Dan, you, you see Dan, he has the hat turned backwards. He has the tattoos and people with, you know, the, the mob, if you like, would say, geez, I say Dan is a gas man with the tattoos or he's into this or he's into that. And he's a former hurler of the year, you know, three-time all-star. If he mentioned all-stars or hurler of the years in our dressing room once in the five years, I'd say mm. it's a lot. Mm. You know, or if he, you meet this more, this affable, quiet kind of, mm. and this fellow who shows you, like, this is me now and you can take me as I am and mm. I, I'm not going to worry about what people say if I have a tattoo or if I'm in a hat turned backwards or, you know, guys that are into fashion or, you know, and guys that are into different things. And yeah. I, I think that's where it's, not where it's going, but I think realisation from a coach's point of view that, in business that like you may have this i'd imagine a business there's lots of people probably that are maybe they're lazy okay and in 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 a club situation you might have we'd have plenty of lads in the club now and i probably fit into that packet over the years as a player now that you, when you're getting near the end you're kind of a bit lazy you know yeah and you're not yeah. making the runs but yet you might have a bit you might have a you might have a moment in you you know you might <laughs> you might have a kind of a you know a moment of a little pass or a dean spark or like that. Yeah, yeah a little spark you might act as a catalyst for something and i think the balance between allowing those to continue in that manner or changing their behaviours to suit team ethic or the team dynamic. That's a kind of a fine line and has to yeah. be kind of really transparent. And the last message, and I'll finish with this, is there's times in coaching where you have to be completely open and transparent. And there's other times where you have to be confidential. And I think, mm. I think the boys need to know that. Like, you know, not, not they need to know it, about what's happening confidentially, but they need to know that they need to see the balance that what you're trying to do. And I'd, I'd say that applies to employees as well. Yeah. The trust that, that, yeah. If it's to be confidential, it's confidential. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Derek, that's brilliant, man. I, I, I uh, geez, I appreciate your time. Now we're probably gone a little bit over and I hope I haven't kept you later or anything. Not but, at all. Delight. Um, Again, uh, I, I suppose I mentioned it in the introduction, but just that uh, I, I started doing this, Derek, for, for Temple Street Children's Hospital so that uh, if, if, if people that are listening, um, you know, enjoy that content, which I'm sure you did, uh, I, again, I'm just asking people to share it around the place and anybody who hasn't donated, if, if they could donate any couple of euros to, to Temple Street Children's Hospital, obviously it would be, it would be uh, very appreciated by them. So uh, Derek, again, th thanks a million for your, for your time, man. I really, really appreciate it, okay? <laughs>